Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a quick That Milan podcast. I'm Martino Pucci. Alongside me, Matt Santangelo. Matt couldn't join us yesterday uh, for the live stream, but he is here now to recap the 3-0 beatdown of Ren in the Europa League. So, Matt, we'll just get right into it, right? Because Milan came out looking fantastic in this one, really Mm -hmm. controlling possession for the large majority of the first 20, 25 minutes. They were above 80% in possession, which is uncharacteristic of the club. Um, And then Loftus-Cheek gets on the score sheet to start. So just take me through what you saw in that first half of how well they were playing and how it transpired into a 3-0 win. They started real well. Um, you know, just to talk quickly about the lineup, we were kind of in agreement on what we think or thought Pioli should do as far as rotating in this match. Um, we were right. Giroud started. He, geez, he played pretty much the entire game or longer than most people expected. Yeah. I, we don't know how I'm to just, rationalize just, it. But looking past that. Yeah. In any way, um, Milan dominated possession very early. Uh, took them a little bit of time to get that first goal. Um but once they did, I think it was pretty much full steam ahead, all breaks, no gas, or all gas, no breaks, shall yeah. I say. Um, possession was dominant. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, a great header. I mean, that's a great crossing by Florenzi. But for Ruben Loftus-Cheek to come across the box and put the ball back across uh, the goal of Mandanda, um, who at that point had no chance, was a perfect header. Uh, that allowed Milan to kind of go uh, full steam ahead for those additional goals. Loftus-Cheek gets the second one. And then, of course, the goal of the match and probably the goal of the Europa League round was Rafael Leao. Uh, it was, yeah, technically. Yeah. Um, great back heel and then just running into the box and then one time side-footing it into the far corner again. Mandana couldn't do anything about it. Um, textbook, Rafa, when I think he's on, um, that's the type of quality finishing you can get from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the type of link-up play and you know synergy him and Tayo have had for – you know, the better part of their career together at Milan, but also recently, which I think is really something exciting to behold um, down the stretch of the season. So 3-0, a really good result at home in front of the home crowd. Um, and they're really in the driver's seat to make that second leg against Rennes, who, again, maybe at home can do a little bit more, score a goal, but to keep them off the off the score sheet, not let them get the away goal, and you really bodes well for you to uh, plan a little bit better um, for next week because you have a good a good lead going into that second leg. Again, it just Ren did nothing, and they were really yeah. playing great. They had one chance. To this. One ch- they had, they, they had like one chance, to two but... chances, but they weren't yeah. even threatening. In in the case of what you mean by chance, what what you really mean is like they had an opportunity to get a at least look. a shot on goal, like yeah. to get that. But the shots were terrible. Um, skying them over the over the crossbar, or just not even getting near the target. Mm-hmm. Um, Manyan had a very easy job there. Again, I think this decision for Ruben Loftus-Cheek transitioning to the 10 where he just can't stop scoring goals right now. You talk about it like on that first header there, the aerial presence of him and Giroud being in the box at the same time and you see a quality player like Florenzi and it's not even a shot at Calabria, but just Florenzi is so much better on the ball. To have you know someone swinging across like that makes things so much easier. Again, even on the second goal as well. Like you're talking about set pieces, excuse me. Um, like just a really great job. You can't even you can't even hate on the selections from Pioli here. And the only caveat I think that we would all have an issue with is Giroud playing 90 minutes. But when you look at it at that point, um, I, I I'm confused because of the fact that if you're up three nil, then that causes Priovic to come on get some of those minutes. Whereas you can now look to that match against Monza 
where it doesn't matter what our opinions are of catching Inter, you still have to put your best foot forward in terms of getting three points. So if Giroud is still your best starter, why not play him 60 minutes in a match that you're up 3-0? Because again, they knew they were up 3-0 by the 60th minute. He mm-hmm. continues to play him. Um, risking injury, it, it's it's definitely scary. This is where Pioli loses me a lot of the time is just decisions like this. But honestly, I, I have nothing bad to say about how he handled this, the substitutes that came on in this one as well. Um, I wanted to talk about Malik Chow, and then we can kind of go back to that Leal goal. But Malik Chow coming back in this, we actually didn't really expect him to feature at all. We thought it would happen over the weekend against Monza. So again, another huge boost to get him in here, get his legs underneath him just a little bit. Maybe he starts on Sunday, maybe not. Um, it really just depends on Kier. I don't really see that happening. If not, I think he definitely starts the second leg in France um, because we also see Kalulu returning to training. But just to have Malik Chow back in this, Matt, I think this was just a sight for sore eyes just to see another option at center back. Just seeing him on the field was refreshing. I mean, in, in, in really, you know, low, low stress, low intense, you know, situation in minutes. Um, I think it was important just to get the, the feet back underneath them, you know, get into real game play. We all know, you know, in just general competition, you don't have to be a professional to know that, you know, yes, when you're training, you want to, you want to, train hard but there's a different level to it when you go into a game especially a european game which you know obviously you know despite it being the europa league it's still good competition and it's still something that milan needs to you know you take seriously so for him to get on the field um there are a couple moments in the match where um you can see again just a visibly a little bit slow to get to a certain spot or to contest across there was one towards like the very end of the game but probably ren's last cross into the box where he was just a little bit slow to kind of keep up but it was no issue for the defense no issue for manion and it was a non-issue you know, in general so um great to see him on the field um i, I do want to i know you mentioned going back to the rafa goal but i want wanted to quickly uh sure. give musa a shout out because i thought he yeah. was really strong in this match i thought that you know these are the types of matches where you know, that depth has come into play, and I think it could be really beneficial for Milan, right? You know, Musa had moments this season where he had to play very important minutes. You know, he was mm. used in a 3-4-3 as a wide player. He was used further up the pitch, um, and he's been really deployed anywhere Pioli's needed him throughout the entire season. Now with Yassin Adli getting some crucial minutes and playing pretty well, you have Ben Acer back. You know, yeah. you're maybe not going to see Musa get too many, you know, real good opportunities to start in, in all competitions. But when he did get his call answered, he played the full 90. He looked very sharp. He didn't look like he wasn't ready for the occasion, which is a testament to his preparation midweek. Um, defensively strong. And I think at 21 years old, and this is something I mentioned um, on SiriusXM yesterday with them talking about, you know, what the expectations are for him. Coming into this year, we didn't really know if, whether he was going to be a six, whether he was going to be an eight. I think what we started to see is he has a lot of qualities that can translate over various roles. And I think that really does bode well for Milan in this midfield department. They might have a really good player here who at 23, 24 is going to really start to hit his, his top yeah, potential. So just great performance by him. Yeah. hundred percent accuracy on passes, 20 out of 20. So again, just really reliable. And I, and I mentioned this point to tactical manager who, who was just asking my thoughts on um, the, the match from him. I would say when you're constantly changing positions, and I wouldn't say constantly, 
-hmm. There's been multiple times that Pioli has kind of changed up where Musa plays, right? Because last time we saw Musa get a steady dose of minutes, it was in a 4-3-3. He was playing a little bit out wide as the right midfielder, as a Metsala type. We've seen him play at right back where the Lecce match was unfortunately his worst experience at Milan right now. But just to put him in a double pivot, again, is a different position. It's a different ask from the manager of what he needs to do. And I thought he thrived. There's Again, there's just certain things that you still see there in terms of his passes where they're a little bit more diagonal when you want them. I I guess you could say on an 80-degree angle where he's kind of leading some of these players on the counterattacks. Some of these passes are a little bit behind. That's just stuff he'll have to iron out and get experience with over time. But the ball-carrying ability, uh, Pete Aquaviva, um, I'm probably mispronunciating his name wrong or just forgetting what it looked like, but Pete's just been a a stalwart on Milan on Twitter for a very long time, but he's Mm -hmm. just talking about the pure potential of Musa. Um, I'm sorry, if you just don't see it, then I don't know what you're watching. 21. Um, I know, but there's a big fan of him too. I know, like, people have – it's weird because, like, you you look at how certain people react to certain players in your – you're, you scratch your head a little bit because we we talked about how people react to Rafa and we're like, how do people not see how great this player is and how he yeah. how great he can be? Yeah. And then people will say certain things about Musa like in one tweet, and then you'll get another different person that'll say like Musa's been spectacular. I'm sorry if you don't see this. And I I think Musa is one of those players that because he's so in and out of a team, and he's yeah. not like a a cemented starter. You kind of don't really have that big body of work to be like, oh, yeah, he's been great for 10, 15 games right by now. He plays a good game, and then you talk about it a day or two after, and then you're like, you forget about it. But I think Musa, generally speaking, this season he's 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 come on really well. And, you know, I think he's a player that, you know, as you just mentioned, you know, if you don't see the, the, the potential, you don't see the upside, the ball-carrying ability, defensive work rate – then I can't help you. I know you like He's, to say, can't read, I can't yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. If, if you can't read, I can't help you. Um, and, and just just a couple more things with this too. Um, and it's always interesting because it transitions to the transfer market. Every conversation always yeah. does, right? Uh, for me, it's sort of like Milan actually don't have to worry about certain things come market time. You know, like when some people are like, what are they going to do at center back? What are they going to do with uh, this midfield option? Yeah, but like, you're also thinking it under the microscope of everybody's going to be the same player that they are this season. Yeah. Right. Like you mentioned, Moose is only 21. What's he going to be like at 23, 24? We're going to have you 22 next year. Right. We're also talking about him playing in a huge international tournament this coming summer in Copa America. That's a big deal for player growth. I just think that. And, and what my next point was is Mateo Gabia. Like, my goodness, like, what what do Milan really have to worry about? Which I understand they probably want to get a left-footed center back. Maybe mm-hmm. that's Pierre Kalulu that gets more burn there. but Or Buongiorno, who's obviously been someone that they've been linked to. But as far as things go in terms of replacing Simone Kier, we talked about it last episode. Gabia shifts up further along the pipeline, and then a Giancarlo Simic probably mm-hmm. replaces where Gabia is in the pecking yeah. order now. Or he gets loaned out. I think there's so many more versatile options for Milan to kind of work with in the coming windows. And that's why I think they're going to spend big on a couple of players because Milan don't have as many holes depth wise as some might like to believe. Uh, so again, that's just really just a shout out to those two and, and their mm-hmm. progress. And that's something purely deserves credit for as far as things go. They're very well positioned for the second mm-hmm. leg. Again, away goals are irrelevant now, but three nil 
you go into Monza being able to rotate. It's probably going to be like a Chukwese and Okafor to get more minutes in this. But even then, Giroud, there's no reason to start him here because we're talking about difficult matches coming up in Serie A where it's Atalanta and Lazio. You want a fresh Giroud for those, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to put him in in a, in a what a tie here where it's 3-0 to Milan. Like, why are you playing him on the road in France for, for significant minutes, right? I maybe understand playing him a small bit of a feature because they don't have a lot of depth in terms of strikers. But what would you like to see in this second leg? I think you give Musa another start. I think Terracciano is somebody that gets in here as well. What would you, what would you like to see? Jovic starting? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see Jovic start. I would like to see Jovic get a stretch of games, and I know this is probably not going to happen because Giroud, 11 goals, 8 assists in Serie A, if I'm, I'm correct on the recent numbers here. He's still producing. Um, so I think that there's still going to be the conversation that, that he's going to be the starter uh, you know, in most games with the occasional burn for Jovic. But I would like to see what Jovic can do over – a stretch of games, right? Let's okay. say he was able to play, hey, hey, Jovic, I need you to play three games in 11 or 12 days or 10 days. Yeah. Right? Let's say he was playing last week against Napoli, you no, know, the Rennes game, and then Monza. And you could see what he can do when he's getting the consistent minutes because he's scoring in these like one-off games where he does play, whether it be starting or coming off the bench. Yeah. And I think as a as a fan and as someone who's watched Jovic, you kind of have – a tale of two seasons here where he started off slow, didn't really look like he was offering much. And now he's scoring some pretty legitimate goals. We want to know what we have for him going into next season. Should Giroud walk, which based on the conversations that Ferlani came out with said, like, if he wants to stay, there's a spot for him for, for Giroud. So I think ultimately I want to see Jovic get a string of games here where we can see what he can do over a full 90 over multiple Mm -hmm. matches. And if he can build that consistency, if he could be a consistent scorer for us, not just one who gets, something out of nowhere. So that's one area. The second area, I think if you have a 3-0 lead for this game, do you give Yo Simic that opportunity to start? And mm. people might say, well, you know, it's a little bit too much. I'm like, you know, you give him a European night. You're up 3-0. Defensively, we're playing fine. Maybe you put him alongside a Kair or a Gabia in, in, in a, in a you don't, you don't. You're saying you're not putting Challen as a starter? Either or, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to Malik Chow. I just don't know how ready he is to play a full 90 yet. Right? I guess, so, yeah, it's all contingent upon Sunday. So, right. Like if he plays, you know, 45 minutes or he plays a good amount of minutes and he's ready to go, then obviously I want to see Malik Chow. He's one yeah, of the more yeah. talented defenders we have. But I think if you're trying to give opportunity to younger players and to see what you have in them, I think this is a great opportunity in, in, in you're giving Simich that opportunity to play away maybe play the full 90 and you can see what he can do because that's also another thing where you want to see for next year. If you have as many internal solutions that we think we have based on the conversations we've been having lately. Yeah. And again, that's, we're talking about a teenage center back getting experience in Europa league. That's really paramount. Same goes for Malik Chow. I know Chow has higher standards for the talent that he is, but at the same time, you know, like that is, that is no easy feat to kind of pull off really great performance from Milan beating Ren three nil. Um, again, thanks so much for everybody for listening. Uh, mm-hmm. Tune into the Benjamin Sesco video, which is also going to be posted. Again, like, subscribe, comment, give us your thoughts on the match. Who you thought your man in the match was probably going to be Ruben Loftus Cheek. That's what everybody said on the live stream. Again, just follow us at that Milan Pod everywhere. Follow myself at Martino Puccio. Um, and again, Matt underscore Santangelo on Twitter and at AC Milan Bros as well. Um, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in a few.